we're stepping into you know another part, and I've, I've alluded to where we're going today in talking about um, soul ties. And I don't know how this relates or doesn't relate to those of us here, but I, I think when I break some of it down that there may be some of us that would not think that we would have ungodly or unhealthy um, soul ties in our life that we might go, oh, maybe, maybe there is. And especially if there's a relationship or a connection to someone or something that just seems like it can't be broken, then we'll probably realize that there, there has created a soul tie in your life. So we've been talking about choosing life. Um, if you haven't been here, I think most of us have been, haven't been here for some of the sermons. We just got those up on the website, so all of them are up there. Um, you know, we talked about choosing life in a culture of death, talking about abortion, choosing life in a sexually charged world, dealing with fornication or sexual immorality. We talked about how to get free, how to get free in Jesus. Last week, we talked about how to stay free. You know, it's one thing to get free, but how do we stay free? And so we're going to kind of revisit those at the end of the message today, but I want to talk about um, soul ties. I alluded to that several times in the past few weeks. And so first is, what is a soul tie? How many of you, that, that word, just you've never really heard that context? Is there anybody that had never heard that? You kind of, you've never heard that, but everybody else has heard that. Maybe you're somewhat familiar with the idea. Maybe you're very familiar with it. But there's nowhere in the Bible where it uses the word soul tie. But where we take it from is a number of places in Scripture where it talks about the two becoming one flesh. And we have talked about that and said, obviously, this is not a physical dynamic. The, the two people, when they get married and they come together and, and have sex, they don't become one physical union. It's talking about a spiritual union. And just a couple of those places, just to, if you want to write them down, if you want to refer to them, in Genesis 2, 23 to 24, this is right after uh, God has created Eve and shows her to Adam. Now, wouldn't you have loved to see what that was like? You know, Adam has seen all the animals, named them all, and kind of going, you know, they're just, everybody's got somebody, but not me. I don't got anybody. And then all of a sudden, you know, God like, da-da, you know, here's Eve. I mean, you're kind of going, and, and well, here's the other thing. I mean, we don't know what Eve looked like, but we do know she had to be hot, Right. Because, I mean, God created her as perfect, right? We don't know what that meant, but, and there, again, there wasn't any other female, so regardless, right, Adam's going, well, this sure looks a lot better than anything else I've seen around here, right? And this is what Adam said in verse 23, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And then Jesus in Matthew 19 it's interesting because the Pharisees, once again, they're trying to um, trick Jesus. They're trying to test Jesus. And so they said to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just, for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So we see that God has designed this deep, intimate relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife within the confines of marriage for them to become spiritually one. So what happens when we've made choices that are not what God would want? 
We've had sex outside of marriage, fornication or sexual immorality, or someone who's married has sex with someone not their spouse, adultery. Or we've allowed those things to come into our life sexually that has brought a bondage, a bond, a soul tie with another person. Because this is a spiritual dimension. God didn't say, only those who know me. No, he says, when a man becomes, or basically when a man and a woman have sex, the two will become one flesh. That's something that God stated, so it's true. Regardless of whether we do that the way that God would want. So, how are, how are uh, soul ties formed? Well, number one, it's through sexual relations. That's what we just talked about. I mean, godly soul ties are formed when a couple are married. It's a good thing. Myself and Pastor Ishtar, that when we come together and came together, it says that our souls were knit together, we became one. That's a good thing. Why? Because now my only attraction is meant to be to her. To her. her only attraction is meant to be to me. That our connection is one to the other. Not just physical, not emotional, but also spiritual in the depths of our being. So how do we know this? Well, if you look in Ephesians chapter 5, again, Paul quotes the same thing. For this reason, verse 31, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is the good soul tie and the way that God designed it. But what's interesting, if we, and we talked about this in OSL just the other week, is that Paul is using the analogy of the man and the woman becoming one flesh is, is the example of Christ and the church. He's saying, this is the same thing. Just as Christ loves the church and gave his life for her, husbands, give your life for your, your wife. And it says, and the two will become one flesh. And he says, I speak a great mystery about Christ and the church. And a lot of times we don't really focus on that. We just focus on the husband and wife. But, but the reason Paul's telling it is to give us an understanding of who, how Christ sees us, the church. That we're the betrothed of Christ. We are waiting to be married to Him. What do we see in Revelation? The marriage supper of the Lamb, right? We're the bride. It says we're supposed to be a spotless bride coming before Christ. And it says that the two will become one. So marriage is supposed to be this picture of the spiritual union and intimacy between Christ and us, the church. But however, when we have sexual relations with someone other than our husband or wife, then an ungodly soul tie is created. We read these, um, I believe last week, I know we did the week before, and out of 1 Corinthians 6. Paul in verse 15 says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Again, Paul's using the same scripture, the same thing that was said all the way back in Genesis. He said, so if you're joined with a prostitute or anyone other than your husband or your wife, it says you're becoming one flesh. You're creating the same spiritual connection, a soul tie. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So if we have sex outside of marriage, again, whether that's fornication, whether it's adultery, it doesn't matter. It creates an ungodly soul tie that connects you to that person, for the rest of your life, unless that's broken. 
See, and sometimes we've made decisions in our life where we've asked Christ's forgiveness and He's forgiven us, but yet there remains a tie unless it's broken. How many of you know that if you're shackled, it doesn't matter if someone unleashes the, the, the other end of it, if it's still on your ankle, guess what? You're still shackled, right? It's still, you're still connected maybe to this other person. You see that in movies where like people will handcuff on them and a handcuff on the other person? Well, they're free. They can go anywhere they want. But guess what? They're now still shackled to this person. And that's what a soul, an ungodly soul tie does. You've been set free in Christ. He's forgiven you. You've repented. It's done. But you're still connected with this spiritual soul tie to this person. So how else are they formed? What can be through close relationships? In 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, it's talking about David and Jonathan, the son of Saul the king. It says in verse 1, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. It says that David and Jonathan loved one another so much that their souls were knit together. Now this is a sign of a good, a godly soul tie. Why? Because they love one another and to honor God. So understand, there can be relationships of people that we have so close. A brother, man, just someone that you do life with, a sister you do life with, and you share so much. There's an intimacy in your relationship that is just, it goes deep. And so there's this, this soul tie. But when that's with someone who doesn't know Jesus who doesn't understand what's going on, once again, you create an ungodly, unhealthy soul tie. And some of us have friends in our life that we have gotten so deep with, still just a friendship, but it's a deep friendship where you've shared and, and you can't figure out, you realize it's unhealthy for you, but you just can't seem to separate yourself. Well, this is why. You've created an ungodly soul tie. See, the same thing that happened with Jonathan David can happen to us if we... Because what Jonathan and David did, they, they made a covenant to one another. We've talked about that some in the past. Is that what's a covenant? A covenant is making a commitment, a bond that is my life for your life. I mean, that's pretty serious. If you're saying, I will give my life for you. How many of you know that's, that's a pretty deep commitment? You don't say that. Again, that's the kind of vow you make with a husband and wife, right? For better, for worse, for rich, for poor, death till us part. We're saying, I'm going to live for you and I will die for you. That's what we actually say. Well, there are times we can do that with a friend. You walk through so many things and you're like, you make this covenant with them as David did to Jonathan and Jonathan did to David. In a godly sense, that's a good thing. In an ungodly relationship, it's not. Now look in, with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. We know these verses, most of us. But a lot of times we, we only put them in the context of dating or marriage. But there, that's, not, that's not what it says. Listen to the context. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 12 to 18. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Verse 13. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What does that mean? It means being in relationship with someone who's an unbeliever. Am I just talking about friendship? No, I'm not talking about friendship. I mean, you can have friends. Obviously, unbelievers need to know Jesus, right? But, but when you're yoked, what is, what is a yoke? Anybody? What's a yoke? It's what ties the two oxen together, right? So that they can pull together. So understand the picture 
that Jesus is saying that they could have looked around any field and seen a yoke of oxen. In our day, we don't see that, right? I mean, that's not something that we really think about. But understand that it's saying, when he's saying unequally yoked, it's saying you are in this together. You're choosing to be in such a depth of relationship that you're connected together. Again, marriage, great thing. Deep relationship in Christ, great thing. But with someone who's an unbeliever, listen to what Paul goes on to say. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Again, we often quote this in the context of dating, which is true, or in the context of marriage, which is true. But it's in the context of relationship. And understand, if we have a relationship that is a deep friendship with someone who is a non-believer, this is what he's talking about. If we're in business with someone who's an unbeliever, this is what he's talking about. He's saying, how how can you be in business with someone who's not a believer? You don't have the same motivations. You don't have the same agenda. You do not have the same way of even looking at life, what your values are. He said, how can you do that? He says, how can light be with darkness? And and a lot of times we don't like this because they go, whoa, that's harsh. Well, that's, that's what the word says because understand it creates a soul tie. And you go, well, it's just business. No, it's not. I've been in business a number of different times. And let me tell you, business is always personal. You don't believe it? Talk to somebody whose business has gone under. Yeah, didn't mean a thing. You won't find many people like that. No, it's personal. It's always personal. It's part of you. Especially when you start something, it's like birthing a baby. It's your baby. It's who you are. You're putting yourself into that. And let me tell you, when it dies, it's like a death. I know I've walked through that. So every one of these can create a bad soul tie because they they create a deep spiritual connection. Because here, if, if we say that Christ is the center of our life, If we say and believe that everything I do is unto Jesus, then that includes friendship, it includes business, it includes every part of me. I don't get to separate that. I mean, that's what Jesus is saying. How can you separate that? You cannot be unequally yoked. You can't be in the yoke together and say, oh yeah, we're going different ways. Guess what? Those oxen are not going different directions. They are going in the same direction. So wherever you're going, you're going. And it says when we're in this, it creates that kind of soul tie. And the third thing I want to talk about is a way that we can create soul ties, which kind of laps over with some of them, is through vows, commitments, and agreements. Again, we see this in marriage, right? The two will become one. What what do we do in marriage? We're making a covenant. We don't have a contract. See, we're not married simply because there's a license that... You know, here we're in the state of Massachusetts. The state of Massachusetts gives us a marriage license and therefore we're married. Yeah, legally we're married. But in God's eyes, it goes deeper than that. We're making a covenant. We're making a commitment. We're saying my life for your life. 
I will serve you for the rest of my life. In God's eyes, it goes, you can, you can rip up the piece of paper, but in God's eyes, it doesn't change the commitment, the covenant that you've made. This is what Numbers chapter 30 says. Verse 1, it says, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So understand, God takes making vows serious. Serious. So if we have made a vow, a covenant, a commitment to something or to someone, again, that's not a believer... This can, I'm not saying everyone, but it can create a soul tie. I'll give you an example. If you're in college and you pledge to a sorority or a fraternity, you make a vow. In fact, if you don't want, believe it, go back and look at the vow that you made. You vowed to put them above all things. You created an idol in your life. And there is a soul tie that needs to be broken. And trust me, there's some, which is the most crazy thing, there are Christian sororities and fraternities, which is impossible. It's like Christian yoga, can't happen. You go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, no, look, look at what yoga is, it can't happen. Can't happen. Every position is unto a false god. They even name them according to the idol. It comes directly out of Hinduism. It's one of the ways they realized they were going to bring Hinduism to the West. Do some research and you'll find out. That's exactly what happened. Same thing. Fraternities and sororities, you are pledging yourself to them above all things. Same thing with Masons or the the women's side of that, Eastern Stars. You are pledging yourself to them above everything. And, And what did God say? The first commandment, there shall be no other gods before me. So understand, you created a soul tie, an unhealthy and ungodly one. So they have to be broken. So, I guess the next question would be, how do we break a soul tie? I mean, I hope if any of us, and maybe we're sitting in here and one, most of us are you know, at least familiar with it at some point, so maybe if there's things you've realized in your life, you've broken them, I pray that you have. And if not, I pray that you will today. Because this is the truth, is we don't have to be connected to any of those. It doesn't matter what we've done, it doesn't matter what we've walked through, the choices that we've made, that Jesus will break them. But we actually have to choose to break them. Because it is a bond. It is a tie. It is a spiritual connection. Well, the first thing is if there's any sins that were committed to cause this soul tie, repent of them. We talked about this last week. And so if if there was fornication, if there was sexual immorality, if you had sex outside of marriage with someone, then repent of it. Maybe you already have, but repent of it. Ask forgiveness for it. That's that's where it's got to start. If anything unholy took place, repent of it. The second thing, and this is a practical one, if there were gifts or symbols or something that is attached to that um, ungodly soul tie, I would, I would tell you, I mean, you have to determine this yourself, but I would encourage you to get rid of it. If that was a relationship and it's letters, um, gifts, photographs, Why? You go, well, because they're symbols of what was done. And understand, God takes those things really serious. What did he always tell? No, you go and eradicate all that stuff. You, and I mean, when they had the the golden calf, what did God have them do? He had them burn that thing down to powder 
And then he made the people drink it, right? He said, you want it? okay, here, you want, your, you want your false god? Here you go. But understand, th- these things have, have created links in our life. And how do we know? Because all you have to do is think about something, and boom, you're there, right? A lot of our memories are connected to photos, music. Maybe you have music. They, you know, somebody gave you their, uh, you know, whatever their, you know, mix. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Again, what, what does it really matter? Don't let those things hold on to you. Because those things symbolize the ungodly relationship. And if you're like a part of a fraternity or sorority, I think you really need to pray about getting rid of all that stuff. Getting rid of it all. You know, Pastor Yusha would tell you, she, she pledged to a sorority um, when she was in college. And it was a couple of years ago that God really opened her eyes to the, what she had done. And she went through and, man, she, she broke it. And, and she got rid of it all. Everything. Anything that was a part of that. She just, and, and she actually sent a letter telling the you know, sorority that I'm no longer, and this is why, and you know, and, and saying, because I don't want that in my life. There's only one God in my life. That's it. And so if you've made a, you know, a vow or a commitment to something other than that, and there's something that's connected to it, get rid of it. Um, and again, obviously, if you're still involved in whatever that relationship is, and you know it's ungodly, it needs to be broken. I mean, it, it, again, it's, it's how bad do we want to be free? Am I saying the person themselves is evil? Well, I don't know. But, but if you know it's unhealthy and you are unequally yoked in whatever capacity that is, we're commanded to not be there. Because again, picture yourself in an actual yoke with this person, with this group, with this organization, whatever it is, and saying wherever they're going, guess what? You're going. Do you want to go there? What's the third thing? If you made any vows or commitments that played a part in forming this soul tie, it needs to be renounced and broken in Jesus' name. I mean, you may have been in a relationship and you said, oh, I'm going to love you forever. You know, you're my soulmate. You, you just made a commitment that you can't keep. You just made a commitment that's only meant to be for your husband or your wife. You've spoke something into existence that was never supposed to be spoken. It needs to be broken. This is, I alluded to these verses today, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What it's saying is if you speak death, guess what? You're going to eat the fruit of it. You speak life, you're going to eat the fruit of that. So God has given us, and that's why everywhere that we see through Scripture, things are spoken. How did God create the world? He spoke it. How did Jesus heal everyone that he healed? He spoke it. By your faith, you've been made whole. Because you believe, you've been made whole. Pick up your bed and walk. So understand that God has given us the ability to speak life and death in the power of our tongue. And so if we have brought death through something, guess what? The way we bring life is speaking it and renouncing it. What does that look like? Well, just simply doing that. Just say, you know what? I break that in Jesus' name. We're going to actually walk through some very just practical things and renouncing them because I want, us to, I want us to be free from it. Again, if there's things, objects or things that you have to get rid of, then you're going to have to deal with that. You know, you're going to have to, and I pray that you will. Don't let whatever it is or even the value of something keep you from being free because it's not worth it. It is not worth it. Whatever it is, it's not worth it. And you go, well, that sounds kind of legalistic. No, it's not. 
Because if you look at that and it, it, and it reminds you of whatever or whoever that is, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Because see, when I, when I look at pictures, they remind me of things. They don't just remind me of the picture. They remind me of all kinds of things. See, now with my family, that's a healthy thing, right? So I want to be reminded of my love for my wife, my love for my kids. I want to be reminded of my love for Christ. But that's why Scripture even says we're not supposed to create any idols, even of God. Now, I don't have an issue like with put, people having a cross because it's, it's just remembering what Christ has done. But if we're not careful, those things can actually step into the same idolatry. What's the fourth thing? Forgive that person if you have anything against them. If there's a person, or maybe it's an organization, maybe it's a business partner, maybe they just really messed you over and, and, and you're, you're, you're angry, you've got to forgive them. Let it go. I mean, you, you, have to, you can't break something if you're holding on to resentment and unforgiveness. It will not be broken in your life because you're determining that your, your, your decision to be right, your decision to have revenge or to get what is your due supersedes your willingness or desire to be free. We give forgiveness as we've received forgiveness. The fifth one, renounce the soul tie. And we're going to do this verbally in just a moment. I mean, it could be something as simple as, in Jesus' name, I now renounce any ungodly soul ties formed between myself and, fill in the blank, as a result of, fill in the blank, fornication, friendship, vow, whatever. And the sixth and last thing is break the soul tie in Jesus' name. And you kind of say, well, isn't that the same thing? Well, no, one thing is I'm, I'm renouncing it. So I'm actually turning my back on whatever created that, saying I'm renouncing that in Jesus' name. That's no longer going to have place. And now anything that's still lasting in that soul tie, I'm going to break it. I'm going to sever it in Jesus' name. And, and again, um, it needs to be done verbally. I mean, it, you can't just do it in your head. Why? Because the power of life and death is in your tongue. When you speak things, things change. I mean, have you ever been inspired by someone else's thoughts? Have you ever been misled by someone else's thoughts? No. But you have been influenced by what people say. And that's why it's so powerful. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Speaking the Word of God. So we're going to break the soul tie in Jesus' name. Again, it could be something as simple as, I now break and sever any ungodly soul ties formed between myself and as a result of whatever, in Jesus' name. This may, may seem, and, and again, I, you know, some of you may have walked through this process and, and whatever you know, soul ties you had have been, been destroyed, been broken. And, and maybe you look and you go, I, I don't think I have any. Great, praise God. If it's not there, then, then don't try and drudge something up. I mean, the Holy Spirit will instantly bring it to mind if there is. But if there's something, and again, maybe we've asked forgiveness, we've repented of it, but, but we just, for some reason, you just can't, this person, man, I just can't get them out of my head. It just seems randomly they pop into my head, and I don't even know why. Well, this is, this is probably why. Or man, I was, you know, I was in business all these years ago, and, and man, that, that, it just still keeps coming up. It's got to be broken. Because we don't want anything in our life that's not from God. And unfortunately, we've made choices Thankfully, there's forgiveness. You know, it says confess. 1 John 1, 9, confess. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. 
but then we want to be free. So I want us to do something. We're going to have communion here in just a minute. And, uh, and I think this is very apropos because, again, Jesus died that we would be free, right? His, his death was, his blood was shed to bring us freedom. And this is what we're talking about, that we would be free. So, yeah, hang on just a minute. We'll, we'll get there in just a second. I, I, want us to, I want us to actually do this. And I, I want to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. I'm going to ask you to, to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to, again, we're going to do this verbally. And you don't have to say whatever you're filling in the blank loudly. You can say it quietly, so just you and God here. But, but I do believe there's something, and maybe you're going to say, well, I need to really go home and, and really deal with this. Okay, but I think there's something powerful. I don't want us to leave out of here um, not taking this step if there's a place in your life where there's an ungodly soul tie. So first we're going to do, we're going to renounce the soul tie. And again, this is between you and God. But I do want you to verbalize it again. You know, I mean, if you need to go somewhere else because you don't want anybody else to hear, that's fine. You can go in the back of the room or whatever, but you don't have to say it loud. God can hear you, but we do, I, I do believe we need to verbalize it. So I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. In Jesus' name, I now renounce any ungodly soul ties formed between myself and, and you can again fill it into the blank of yourself, as a result of, again, Phil, whatever that is. And now we're going to break that. So again, renounce it. In Jesus' name, I now renounce any ungodly soul ties formed between myself and as a result of, fill in the blank. And I want to break the soul tie. I now break and sever any ungodly soul ties formed between myself and, fill in the blank, as a result of, fill in the blank, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, over each and every one of us, Lord, that if there is anything that we have allowed into our lives, choices that we've made that has created an ungodly, unhealthy soul tie in our life, that it is broken now in Jesus' name. Even as we speak it, even as we renounce it, even as we break it, we sever it in Jesus' name, it's done. And Lord, that if we need to go home and get rid of some things, that we'll do that. Lord, that we will be uh, vicious when it comes to these things in our life, to, to eradicate it out of our life, that it will have no place, no place in our life. We pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah, if you want to have a seat, we're going to have communion. Just a way of even really sealing that. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I know we didn't sing it yet, but it was one of the songs that uh, it was very spiritually led um, that Aaron had is Break Every Chain. That, you know, we sing this and there's something so powerful even as we sing it, knowing that this is true, that, that we could break every chain in the name of Jesus. And, and two, if you even you know, want to, maybe in your own time, uh, you just want some help with that, send me a text or an email, and I can you know, send these to you if you actually just want to kind of revisit uh, that or uh, walk through that again in your own place and space. And I think it's very appropriate that we would recognize, you know, what Christ has already done, that we all know that we look at this bread as his body that was broken, his blood that was shed, 
And it says, by that we are set free. And so that when we, when we say what we just said, when we renounce something in Jesus' name, when we break something in Jesus' name, it's done. Not because of us, but because of the power of Christ in us, that we would be free. So even as we have communion together, as we remember, acknowledge that in Christ I'm free. And whatever had me in bondage, it no longer has me. I have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. May we take the bread together, remembering, recognizing the blood of Christ that was shed for us. Let's take it together. And then as we do, would you raise your cup to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, as it says that every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow their knees and proclaim him as Christ, the King of all kings. Let's take the cup together. And while we're standing, I want us to sing. Just uh, Let's just sing that chorus. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. In the name. Jesus, may we know that we are set free in Jesus' name, that nothing can hold us back, nothing can hold us down, that we have been set free, because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. God, may we walk as those that are free, may we talk as those that are free, may we just live our life as those that are truly free. God, there's something so powerful when our eyes are fixed on Jesus then we don't worry about what anyone else sees. We don't worry about what anyone else thinks. Lord, we truly are free. God, may we be filled with your Spirit daily. Lord, we daily need to be filled that we can go and walk according to the Spirit and not the flesh. Lord, we thank you that, God, you have amazing things before us. God, may we see them come to pass because we walk by faith and not sight. We walk according to the Spirit and not the flesh. We choose to hear, listen, and obey at all costs. Because in that place, Lord, we will see the hand of God move. We will see the miraculous. We will see those that are in in chains set free. 
So God, send us in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. A couple things real quick. Um, tomorrow, if you want to wake up at 5 o'clock, the uh, Now Principal with Pastor Chris will be uh, on the air at uh, 5 a.m., Monday through Friday. <laughs> and, uh, but if not, we are going to be setting it up to where you can actually uh, subscribe to it as a podcast. Um, if you, you know, don't plan to get up at 5 o'clock, which I fully understand. So we will uh, have that set up too. Um, two, uh, and obviously I think we all realize this, but two weeks from day, today is Easter. So be, uh, you know, just thinking about that, encouraging uh, those around you. Step outside of your comfort zone, even as we were talking about it, Invite people. And challenge people to come. Bring them with you. Don't just invite them. Just say, hey, come with me. And, and some people will come on Easter where they might not come other times. There are uh, a lot of people that are historically used to going to church on Christmas, Christmas and Easter. So, um, yeah, let's go and be Jesus everywhere we go. Love people. Go in the power of His name. Don't, uh, don't let Satan tell you. Yeah, don't let Satan it out. That's right, man. Let your light shine. Lift up the basket. Let it shine. Go be a fool for Jesus. Amen. Yes. Sure. April 26th, okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that'd be great. And I got, I have to say,